0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance
1: People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. We're going to be joined in a second by Spencer Locker and
0: Me Dave Pendleton.
1: Hi, Dave. I was hoping we was all gonna be at the same time so we could do it chronologically, but maybe Spencer's clock is slightly out with our clock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds familiar.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll um <laughs> I'm sure we'll get it right at some point, uh Dave. But given that we're all um working in different locations. Uh, on different devices, trying to tune into a podcast at the same time. We'll, I guess we're forgiven, aren't we? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So, how are you doing, Dave?
0: Surviving, I think, is a good word.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, um, you've gone, you've gone like uh, full circle because the first podcast you said surviving, the second one you sort of said, you know what, I'm coming out the other end, and now you're back to surviving again. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: Oh, brilliant. It's just varying varying degrees of survival, I think. Sometimes it's easier, sometimes it's harder. Yeah, you're right, mate. You're right.
1: So we're, um, we're, what are we now? Uh, Sorry, June. June the 11th, and um, obviously, COVID-19 continues. We are a few weeks away, probably three weeks away from moving back into our offices, Davey, our new offices. Um, so we're excited about that, but we're going to aim to move back in on on the first of July, and um, and I guess we're gearing up, aren't we? We're sort of well. If I was to use a term, Dave, it feels like we're ramping back up both on delivery, um, just mindset, getting our heads around the future again, uh, you know. And it's exciting, but it's also a little bit daunting because it's been so long since we operated remotely normal, right? And do you feel the same?
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, a certain sense of um, uh, nervousness as well, I think. Yeah. 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 Anticipation, I guess. Um, yeah, because it's a very strange bubble that we've been living in for for the thick end of three months, I guess. Yeah. Um, a little less so now because things are starting to ease, but, but I think um, there's still a nervousness for people to return back to normal because because of what's happened, you know. I don't even know what the what the latest death count is, but it must be 35,000 or 40,000 or something.
1: Yeah, I think it's approaching uh, 40, if not slightly over 40, yeah. 40 isn't it? But, yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But, it, you know, it is a lot. But it's also, um, and again, this is the big debate we have, Dave. And, and do you know what? If Spencer joins us, he joins us. He might be having technology issues. So me and you will just crack on, Dave. Yeah, but, okay. you know, it, it, the big contentious issue is... It, it, is it a lot, right? in 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 the scheme of in the scale of when you look at, and by the way, what I'll what I'll say before we say any of this is, you know, any death is is a travesty. It's awful, right? So, but there's also I was on with a with a director of nursing and a medical director from an NHS trust yesterday doing a bit of coaching, and they were saying that um, in a usual in the same time period, Dave, in the same time period of. Uh, of what we've been locked down for, which, which has meant no screening, no routine appointments, no cancer screening, testing or anything like that. In the same time frame last year, they, they dug out the figures. And uh, nationally, I think it was, there was 60,000 cancer diagnoses in the same time frame, brand new cancer diagnoses. Mm-hmm. So if you think that potentially sixty to 100,000 cancer diagnoses have, have gone under the radar, through a lack of screening in that same time frame then who knows what the death toll could be further down the line as a byproduct of COVID-19 lockdown and and that's only cancers that's not uh you know heart disease lung disease and all the other ailments uh that will potentially uh, mental health suicides all the rest of it and I, mean, I know we've talked about this before Dave but I think the time is is definitely coming as we approach July, and as we and the figures keep re, re declining, you know, from a COVID perspective, hospital admissions are down, deaths are down, new cases are down. We've been out of the first wave of lockdown now for four weeks, and there's no second wave as as we speak. I think it's absolutely time now that we have to look at that big picture. We should have done it before, but we have to look at the big picture, and we have to start looking at this as a whole. Situation and not just a COVID situation. Would you agree with that,
0: Dave? I think it's incredibly difficult to do that, isn't it? Because I guess all we're talking about is hypothetical numbers. You know, yeah. I, I know we've you know the, the NHS guys have got some hard facts and stats, um, but the, the numbers for this year are hypothetical because nobody's recorded them. So I don't know. I, I don't know. It's such a big thing, Martin. It. it uh, it's probably too big for my small brain. I can't get my around it half the time. Well, that's the thing, mate. And
1: I think, and I think the biggest dilemma with all of this is uh, is throughout, it's been a lot of guesswork. Um, the government are, are under fire from some. They're praised by others. Um, and we've talked about this before, but it's guesswork. And I defy anybody to be in that hot seat and have the answers to all the questions through COVID. Did we, should we have locked down earlier? Who knows? Should we have gone... Uh, uh, with a, a more holistic approach on looking at the economy and at other non-COVID deaths and health issues, maybe you know, should we be reintegrating now or a bit further down the line? Who knows, right? Is there going to be a second wave, Dave? We don't know, right? No, but the, indi- yeah. the indications are at the minute in all the countries there's no second wave, but but we just don't know. So I think one of the that leads nicely into this podcast, Dave, which is there is a lot of um, difference out there you know, there's a lot of division. I think division is the word. You know, there's a couple of events already in 2020 that has caused mass division in the country, and that is Brexit, uh, COVID-19 and how we're handling it, and more recently, George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. And and there's three big political stroke, you know, monumental events that have happened in such a short period of time. And the division, it feels like the division is is greater than ever. And you can see that on social media and with people being locked down. We live on social media more than we, we usually would. Um, and I think organizations have to be mindful of this. And, I, and I'm going to bring you in here, Dave, on something, because I wrote something on LinkedIn the other day. And the, And the post that I wrote, and it just came to my head because i was I was seeing these arguments going off left right and center on my social media posts, and I've stayed away from them if I've honest, I've completely stayed away or tried to stay away in the majority of cases from commenting on anything, but um I mentioned a post, and I said it really appears like it's it's no longer about our ability to influence it seems more so now about our ability to not be influenced to have that realization that we're getting dragged into group polarization left and right you know uh lockdown or reintegrate you know Brexit stay, stay or remain you know uh, sorry remain or leave we're getting dragged and polarized into groups and it's been fed by social media and uh, and i just think and digital platforms and the media in general and you know i think we've got an opportunity as we come back out of lockdown for organisations and leaders to really try and galvanise their groups, you know, galvanise their people, their organisations, and really sort of try and get that one united feel, because it's so important right now, Dave.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, I don't know. I think there's always been division. I think yeah. there probably will always be division um, because of people's um, different thoughts and different beliefs um, and things that they want to stand for. Um, but I think you're right. There's an awful lot of people sort of jumping on bandwagons because of frustration, you know, because of a need to be heard and because of uh, social media, you know, because social media is the ultimate platform for people to have a voice, but not a face so they can say what they want. They can behave exactly how they want. Uh, and there's very little um, repercussions or recourse. Yeah. So it, it's a very easy way to cause an awful lot of trouble Um for people who want to cause trouble, and there are quite a few out there uh, you know, with no recourse. So, yeah. Well, uh, that's it. You, you, make, you make a good point there, Dim. There's generally
1: the people at the moment who, I always use the term, there's a difference between crowd contagion and crowd convergence. And what we say on this is crowd contagion in, in crowd psychology is, it's where people are formed together and start to form a crowd But it's based on the fact that other members of that crowd are influencing them into the crowd. It's spreading like contagion from influential people to others. Does that make sense? So that's like crowd contagion where people form because they feel influenced or maybe pressured or whatever it might be by a group of others. Whereas crowd convergence is where a group of people assemble because they absolutely share like minded thoughts, beliefs and values. And and therefore they're more they're joining the cause rather than being dragged along by the hysteria and the and, and the pressure. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. Division's always been through, you know, evolution through thousands yeah. of years. Through thousands of years, you can name all of the wars, the civil wars. You know, uh, you know the, the the Martin Luther King movement. The you know Gandhi's fighting for a, a, a Indian independence. You can you can go back and, and look at division. Uh, across the human race for for years, but I just want to sort of question people right now: Are you getting dragged into a, a set of beliefs and a set of behaviours through crowd contagion, through you being overly influenced by a movement or by the hysteria, or are you genuinely joining that cause through convergence, which is, means you're thinking about it, you've got you're rationalising things? but you have deep seated values and beliefs in a certain area. And, and and for me, convergence is much the preferred route to, to having a voice. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even so sure that I'm worried about whether it's one or the other. I think the thing that really um, frustrates me with, with humans is that it's not just about having a voice because, because that's cool. um, You know, and it's great for people to have a voice to express themselves and to express their beliefs, whether they're whether they're their own uh, or whether they're just latched on to somebody else's. If they believe it wholeheartedly, then that's fine too. My problem is when they fight against other people's beliefs and try to force their beliefs on other people and try and tell other people that their beliefs are wrong. um, Yes, because then then it becomes something entirely different, uh, you know, and, and we're seeing that you know, most recently in the last 10 days or so. Yeah. You know, uh, and to to tell other people that their beliefs are entirely different just because they're different to your own. Uh, sorry, wrong, because they're different to your own. For me, that causes lots of frustration because that's not what the human race is about. No, you're right. And
1: you know what? You make a really good point there. Um I was, uh, we, we were doing some work with the Fire and Rescue Service this year about this when, when they go through industrial action. So when the fire service go through industrial action, where firefighters strike, you get a real split division, Dave. Where some people strike and some people don't, and the reason some people strike is because it's their right to strike, and uh, it's you know they're fighting for a cause. Uh, yeah, they believe leaving what they're doing. Yeah, for all firefighters, they're yeah. underpaid. They're generally underpaid, and there's been through austerity, there's been pay freezes in the public sector, and they're risking their lives every day for the public. So they have a right to strike. But there's also then firefighters who choose not to strike because, quite frankly, Dave, the reason usually for that is they 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 can't afford to strike. They've got to pay the bills, right? So they're under extreme pressure from home and from other areas to to not strike. So. But then that causes division. And we did a session with the, fa- the fire brigade, Dave, and it and it sort of cemented what, what you just said there. We said to them, we, we came up with an acronym, Dave. I don't know if we spoke about this, but we came up with an acronym. And the acronym was ACT, A-C-T. Mm. And, the, and the acronym sort of stood for, um, right, A is you've got to acknowledge the complexity of this situation. So if you think about COVID now, and you think about George Floyd, and you think about Brexit, et cetera, it's the same dynamic. If you think about striking you have to acknowledge the complexity of this situation. It, it isn't easy, right? It isn't easy, and ev- and both parties have a point, and you've got to sort of... But you've got to just, first of all, instead of just reacting, you've got to acknowledge this is a really complex, sensitive situation. Um, the C was, but, as well as acknowledging, you've got to care deeply about your values, beliefs, and position. Absolutely, you have the right to care deeply and passionately about your position. But the T was really important. So A was acknowledge the complexity. C was care deeply and passionately about your position. But the T was, but you have to treat others with the respect around theirs. Absolutely. Act. Acknowledge the complexity, care passionately about your beliefs and position, but treat people with the respect around theirs. And I think in that acronym,
0: Dave, to your point, it's the T that's missing, isn't it? It is, absolutely it is, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I believe, you know, you and I have passionate discussions and passionate debates where the temperature starts to rise somewhat. <laughs> uh, we, we do, don't we? When we, we do. Us, it, it happens weekly because I, I passionately believe in what I'm saying and you passionately believe in what you're saying, but but never do we fall out and never do we, you know, does it, does it become aggressive or anything? Um, because I respect your point of view and you've got it for a specific reason. And I've got my point of view because I've, I've got it. I've reached it, you know, for a very specific reason and, you know, joining conclusions together and stuff. Um, but when it starts to spill over uh, and it starts to seriously affect other humans' lives is when I start to disagree with it. So, you know, when, when people are, 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 are taken to the streets because they've got a, a cause that they, be, they believe in, I, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think that's fantastic. Good for you. But when it starts spilling into violence against other people and violence who are trying to keep the peace and destroying people's businesses, destroying people's livelihoods, vehicles, property and so forth. For me, that's gone too far. Yeah. And I, I don't agree with that. And I will never agree with that, unfortunately. Yeah, you make a really good point there. It was like I watched the, uh, Piers, Morgan, uh,
1: the Piers Morgan interview the other morning about them uh, removing Edward Colston's statue uh, in Bristol. And, um, and he was talking to uh, Nigel Farage. And Nigel Farage was saying, basically, Nigel Farage was saying, uh, you know, in the manner in which it was done, um, it, 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 it wasn't right. It wasn't right. And, and it was thuggery and it was criminal, right, in the manner in yes. which it was done. Absolutely. So, so Peter's Morgan saying, so, uh, do, you, did you, do you think Germany was wrong to remove the statues of Adolf Hitler? So, Nigel Farage said, no, because they removed it through a democratic... Uh, vote through, through decision, the yeah, yeah through yeah. the through the right uh, channels. You know it was done peacefully, it was done politically, and it was a decision was made and it was removed civilly. Whereas his point was the he's not saying that that to remove a, a slave trader statue is wrong in 2020, but what he was saying is is the manner in which it's done was criminal. And and I sort of backed that, and that's that's you know, but Piers Morgan couldn't get his head around that, and he was just trying to force the issue of. Bring it back to the Nazis. So I think that's a classic example of where we've not. Then you know, there's no understanding. There's no intention there to find a common conversation. There's an intention to completely expose the other party, and that's what it is at yeah. the minute. And going back to your point there, when me and you debate stuff, which we do, and this is the part of the part of the thing I like about you and and our relationship in in the organisation is, it'd be easy for you. It'd be easy for you to agree to with everything I say. that's not going to be no good for anybody. But when we do have a a difference in opinion on stuff, like you say, even if it gets slightly heated, we tend to finish our conversation, reflect on it, and then always afterwards, we revisit and go, do you know what? Explain that to me again, or why don't we do this? Or you've got a point about that. And we end up finding that middle ground. Um, And we need to reestablish that, I think. Um, Just moving it slightly, Dave, and shifting it. Obviously, organisations are, are on the precipice of, of, of bringing people back into the organisation. Some are already back in. Some are staggering it at the moment. Some are going to be back in July, August, whatever the timelines are. But over the next few months, there's going to be a massive uh, job to really find uh, how we reintegrate, how we how, how we are going to operate post-COVID, because not everybody might be reintegrating. Some organisations might decide that, actually, we're going to operate remotely for the, for the foreseeable. It's working for us. But whatever the new, it's, it's the old classic saying, whatever the new norm is for for people, um, do you think that there is going to be still uh, some divide between employees and between people's so thoughts? are p- some people going to be happy to be back? Some people are going to not be happy, and therefore there's going to be some friction between those in conversations. Uh, the reason I say this, Dave, is because my wife took our children back to school this week. My kids are back at school because obviously Lucy's a key worker. Mm. And um, kids are loving it. By the way, they're, they're loving being back and having a bit routine. But they went back, and um, Lucy walked onto the playground, and the head teacher walked past Lucy um, with both our kids listening. And Lucy went morning to the teacher, and the teacher went, "Really, you know," as in he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be back, mm. and, and, and he was and he was sort of being quite negative about the fact that it was a bad thing. And my my children are there thinking, well, shouldn't we be coming back then? Is, yeah. this a bad, is this a bad thing?
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I think that's a... Cla- and Lucy was a bit like, well, no, you, don't, you shouldn't have an attitude like that. You should be positive. You should be... So already you can see that there will be some people who will be absolutely thinking it's the right thing to be back and that COVID was over-egged and we should have been back a long time ago. And you'll have some who are really fearful and anxious. And rightly mm. so. Mm. Do you think there's an opportunity... Do you think there's organisations have to think about this, Dave?
0: Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, I really do because, um, uh, listen, uh, I guess from from a completely different perspective, there are some people that have have never had the opportunity to work from home. Um, And over the last three months, they have worked from home and and done it relatively successfully Um, and, and get used to it and actually enjoy it and like it. So that creates a new resistance to going back into an office. So rather than it just become about nervousness about going back to the office because of, you know, what we've been through with the virus and stuff, it actually becomes a choice, you know, a personal preference to work from home in your own surroundings that's familiar in your jam having a brew whenever you need to and all the rest of it, you know, like some people have. So I think there's there's a whole bunch of different dynamics that organisations are going to have to uh, consider. Um, I think a really important thing to do is to ask the people who it's affected the most. So for those people who've been furloughed and not working at all, um, I mean, there's going to be a reintroduction period there because, um, well, you know me, Martin, I, I'm a bit of a use it or lose it kind of guy. And <laughs> it's, yeah, if if I'm not using my brain, it sort of starts to go to sleep. So, <laughs> you know, I, it's impossible to wake my brain up in one day. So I'll probably need a few days or, you know, a week or two to, to, to try and get my head back what we're doing, where we was with projects, who we was working with, what topics and subjects we were delivering, you know, and then of course there's the whole new rescheduling piece. We've got to start booking all that stuff back in. So just using me as an example, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people out there that are going to be feeling similar, which is going to create a nervousness, I think.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And we delivered a series of HR executive workshops recently talking about this exact thing. How are we going to reintegrate people with confidence? What cl- clarity do we need to give them over the first 60 days? Has something changed in their department, in their job? What is the business's focus post lockdown? Just having that clarity from the leadership position that will really help settle some of the more nervous people um, and if you're not, if you're just saying right, return to work, uh, and and the communication lines are down, and there's there's divide politics and politics and negative conversations going on, and people are putting two and two together and coming up with twelve, then you're gonna you're gonna have a challenge. You're gonna have a real challenge uh, in terms of getting people back to a productive state. So, yeah, it is it is an interesting one, Dave. And I think, um, I mean, personally, I'm really excited, uh, and that's. That's just me. I'm excited by the fact that we've had this big challenge. You know my my view when we when we first announced going into lockdown, Dave. You know that I was down in the dumps. I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I, I I was, you know, I, I, it was like I, I, I can't be caged. I can't be isolated. All the rest of it. And that's just a personal, personal preference. But you know what? I've really I've really uh, found out a lot of things through this lockdown, and I've learned a lot of things, not only about myself but about the business and about us, and about actually, you know, worst case scenario, we can still. And it's not just about um, keeping ticking over. In certain aspects, we've thrived through lockdown. We've shifted our target. We've created a whole lot of research around helping organizations navigate COVID. We've delivered numerous sessions virtually by Microsoft Teams. We've delivered loads of coaching sessions. And we've developed... Uh, content on the hub we've increased our hub members by three hundred percent, so you know all whilst reducing overheads, having some thinking time uh, you know it, it, there is positives to it, but I am really excited now, Dave, about getting back we 've got a new office to go to, getting back and starting the journey of navigating this and reintegrating and building up our our momentum again and that excites me it 's a challenge, but it excites me, but for some people, they might be the opposite Dave they might have gone. I've loved the last three months, and I don't want to go back. In fact, I I can't even think I'm having sleepless nights about going back into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've got to get to. And I think we should be surveying our organizations now. We've put one together, Dave. So if anyone's listening to this and you've got access to the hub, go to the new productivity toolkit. Uh, It should be out in the next couple of days. It's called uh, COVID-19 Return to the Workplace Toolkit. And there's questionnaires in there that we've put together for you that you can send out to your organisation now. It's a temperature check and mood check. And questions in there feature things like, do you feel confident enough to return to the workplace today? Yes or no? You know, and, and, and asking the real questions around how they've coped in lockdown, how they feel the productivity levels have been, what, you know, all of that stuff. So it's important that we we engage people right now and find out those people who are like me and itching to get back. And I think you would be in that bracket as well, Dave. Am I right? Um, And and those who are not, you know?
0: Well, I think the important thing about doing that, because it's all well and good doing that, you know, for the sake of doing it as a HR exercise or you know, as a COVID safe business or whatever people are going to label themselves at. But I think the important thing and the key thing is to encourage people to answer honestly and candidly and then not use those answers against them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> because if somebody says, Do you know what, I am a little nervous uh, uh, and, um, you know, I'm not sure what the future holds, you know, with me performing the way that I used to perform in the routine that I used to, to be involved in. You know, there are some organisations for sure that would say, well, listen, like it or lumpy. if you're not keen, then don't come back and find a different job. Um, so I think the key thing is to just listen to people and we, we've we talked about this quite a, quite a lot Martin over the past um, three months during lockdown is the, the increased levels of empathy you know I, I think we've both been quite impressed by some of the uh, increased levels of empathy being demonstrated by organisations towards customers and to their employees yeah. please let's not that's, let, let's not let that stop because things are returning to a, 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 a are considered normal you know con- continue showing empathy towards your employees and your staff and your people because you'll still get the best out of them if you consider them more than you did before
1: yeah you make a really good point there Dave you know I think it's a great thing to survey organizations uh, to survey your employees but you're right you know, if an employee answers the question, I don't feel comfortable in coming back to work, what needs to be really clear from the organization in the beginning is, listen, we're going to survey you because we want to understand how you truly yeah, feel. However, however, if you answer no, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to say we'll stay at home then. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, so it doesn't it doesn't. What it might mean is that we can then cater for you because we understand your 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 position. We can do our very best to engage you and cater for you when you return to ease you back in, and it might be that the ones who are feeling anxious, we will we will uh, bring in on a part-time basis to start with. We'll maybe start with two days a week, three days a week, whatever. So yeah. so as long as that understanding is there, this is not a, a questionnaire to to say well, whatever you answer will be the reality. Yeah. It's, genu- yeah. it's genuinely a conversation that will allow both us and you to work together through reintegration process. Correct. Yeah, you make a good point because, you know, like you say, it could go sour where someone could say, well, I ticked that I was nervous and you still brought me back. And it's like, well, you know, organize- the organization does have a responsibility to do something with that information, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to keep you at home and vice versa. So, um, yeah. You
0: Know, yeah, yeah, and realistically, of course, I mean, there might be you know, there's a whole bunch of people out there that have been completely furloughed, um, who haven't been working from home who potentially can't work from home. And if that's the case, I mean, the answers are fairly straightforward, but where there is opportunity, where there is grey areas, and where there is, um, you know, the possibility of flexible working and, and all that sort of stuff, then organizations should indeed explore it i think i really do
1: yeah you make a great point dave dave we're coming to the uh, up to the 30 minute mark i could talk to you all day i think uh, it's useful that i think one of the key things i've drawn out of this conversation is you know we've started off talking about the current situation as we stand here on june the 11th you know we are going through a phase including ourselves of reintegrating back in, in in some point between now and the end of july and i think most organizations will be doing that uh, there is division for a number of events, world events that have happened recently. There's still a level, high level of anxiety around COVID. Um, there's no right or wrong. Remember the acronym ACT. I think if leaders and organisations can try and remember this acronym, acknowledge the complexity of the situation, care passionately about your position and allow people to care passionately about theirs. But the A is, you have, uh, sorry, the T is you have got to treat others with the respect around theirs. And that's the one that's missing. Um You've got to try and galvanize your organization. And I think uh, starting off with some type of temperature check or survey or mood survey, whatever you call it, to just find out how are your people feeling right now? You know, you're the leaders, you're making the plans, you're going to be looking at the strategy and you're going to be communicating what's going to happen. But are you doing it as as an individual leadership team or are you engaging your employees first to test how people are truly feeling? And that will hopefully give you a few pointers on how you navigate the situation forward. But yeah, it's not easy, Dave. But we've got to do it, and we've got to get this economy started—or well, not started, because it is there. But we've got to get it motoring again. Um, and we've got to—we've got to listen to the government. We've got to see what these cases, what happens with the cases in the next six weeks. It continues to decline in all measurements, so it's a good sign. And hopefully, if it continued to do that, Dave, by the end of July, August, we will be in. A relatively normal position you know so it's positive and we've got to think positive and we've got to keep looking at what we control and what we want to achieve and i think if we do that we'll come out um we'll come out the other end in some fashion any final comments from you dave
0: um i think the economy is going to be fine mate judging by the queues at both starbucks costa and mcdonald's <laughs> around the corner from me <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it?
0: It's a a clear indicator of societal madness.
1: Oh, the the, the human experiment. You take McDonald's away for three months (laughs) and you watch the reaction. It's like, I mean, I'm really not bothered about it. I really am not bothered about McDonald's. And and for me, you know me. For me, I am going to queue in a in a in a one hour, two hour queue to get a, a Big Mac. Yeah, no, not no, a chance. no chance, no chance, not a chance for me
0: either. No, I think there's a I think there's a whole of in there somewhere, mate.
1: Yeah, we'll do that next. The 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 McDonald's craze. Right. Dave Pendleton, thank you very much. We'll wrap this up there, and we'll be back yep. again with another T two hubcast. Cheers, Dave. Terano.